2: You're listening
0: to BGN Radio.
3: Eagles outside linebacker Connor Barwin joins us.
2: I heard you guys are the best Eagles podcast there is out there in Philly, so I'm excited to talk to you guys. Oh,
0: what's going on? Green Nation, we have made it to episode number 170. We thank you for listening wherever you are listening out there, whether that's on SoundCloud, iTunes, now on Google Play. As Brandon Lee Gowden and Mr. James Zelter reminded us last week, and they did a fantastic job of hosting the show and taking your questions, and we're going to do the same again this week, as long as getting to the rather big news, uh, Fletcher Cox being extended, and yes, we have heard that the cops uh. extended joke a million times, but uh, there's a, there it is one more time for everybody here. We're also going to have some pretty big news next week, so I know we've been teasing that, but keep your ears open because we got some great things happening for this upcoming season, and uh, it's all because you guys are fantastic. Every single one of you that listens to the podcast, that listen to the radio show, we're gonna make sure to expand on what we're doing, and we'll just leave it at that for now because got a lot of great things coming up. What also makes this episode special is his alley like return to the ring. His NPR tones are with us. Welcome back Mr. Patrick Wall. Patrick, what is happening my friend?
1: I just got the Fletcher Cox extension joke.
0: <laughs> Welcome. Welcome to the party. Uh as uh we have been uh yeah, we've been missing Patrick Wall around here and the, really it's just it's not a, Well, it's because of two things, right? P-Wall, it's because your band is kicking ass. Shout out to Queen of Jeans. He is the blogger's uh, parentheses drummer of uh, of one of the best <laughs> rock bands in Philadelphia. And if you haven't gone to see them yet, please do so. They're planning a tour. They're planning albums. And uh, it, that and our schedules haven't been adding up. So uh, we're glad to have you back, P-Wall.
1: It's so good to be back. It's been uh, since the draft. It's yeah. been a very long time.
0: Yes, it has. Uh, and not to be outdone, we figured we get... We just try and keep the get the band back together, Mister Matt Daring, editor in chief over at Our Eagles on Reddit.
3: What is happening, sir? <laughs> hey, Johnny, I'm pretty pumped. I just got out of my bathroom.
0: <laughs> uh, hopefully to drop. Uh, what are you dropping a deuce? What were you doing in the bathroom?
3: No, I like to read in there.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, why need a library when you have the bathroom at least? Uh, <laughs> that's at right, least. that's so, right. So that's good stuff. Well, let's start, uh, Patrick. Let's start with you, my friend. I mean. Fletcher Cox signs, major deal. We've heard all the headlines as far as this is the biggest contract, most guaranteed money for a non-QB position. And a lot of of things kind of led up to this. I think a lot of the Eagles fans, there was a long debate for a long time. Do you pay him this kind of money? Do you not? Uh, And I'm sure we're going to have, we actually have some questions about it too, as we're going to get into that as well. But first of all, just your your impressions of, of the terms with Mr. Fletcher Cox, future Hall of Famer.
1: Uh, yeah, I think that I think the terms are about what you sort of expect. I think a lot of times people get sticker shock when they see a new contract, especially when it's one that has the sort of caveat of being the most dot 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 in NFL history or, you know, the highest paid dot dot dot. People kind of freak out about that. But the reality of the fact is that you draft players in the hopes that they become so good that you have to pay them a lot of money. And that's what we're dealing with here. If Fletcher Cox is a blue chip player on a defense that looks like it could be pretty special this year, and you have to pay those kinds of players. <laughs> you can complain about it all you want, but uh, this is not the Sixers. You have to pay guys, and you <laughs> have to have good talent, and when you get that good talent, you pay it. So uh, you look at Fletcher Cox's salary, it's similar to other guys in his position. I mean, Dama Sue. I think he um, he restructured recently, so his deal is a little bit different. Gerald uh, McCoy, Marcel Darius, I mean, these are... That's that's the sort of company that Fletcher Cox is in, and that's a good place to be. And and frankly, you pay that guy because um, on a team that's hurting for playmakers on the other side of the ball, especially, um, you want to keep your blue chip talent. You want to make sure they're happy and well compensated, and most importantly, you want to keep them in their prime.
0: Plus, I, I it's probably because they've. I mean, a lot of us have Eagles goggles. Obviously, this you wouldn't be coming to this podcast without it. But I I see I see Fletcher Cox as a much better investment than I did with. Sue, I might not have said that a couple of years ago, but it's in terms of where their careers have gone now, I just think, you know, Fletcher Cox is that guy, right, man?
3: Yeah, for sure. I don't think there's. I mean, yeah, there's no doubt about it. I like what Patrick said, sticker shock. That's good. Um, I think that's a. I think that's a great term for it. Like you always see it, and you think, wow, it's you know the most for a non QB ever, and then you say, well, is he the best? Non QB ever? Obviously, he's not. And I think that you know, too. A lot of times, what happens is that the highest paid guy is the guy who got paid most recently. And given that it was just a day or two ago, that's you know. And Von Miller is going to come along and wreck it all again, probably. But, <laughs> exactly. Um, but you know, in the meantime, he can enjoy it. It's a lot of money, but yeah, I just look. That's that's exactly what you do. You get good players, and then you you keep them, and you give them a lot of money. That's that's sports. You know, I don't I don't really know else to put it. Like, it's just. This is a he's a great player. We we have the you know the privilege or whatever you want to call it of getting to watch this dude get out there and he's just 25 you know years old. Um, yep. just yeah, I i don't see any I don't see how how this didn't you know how this wouldn't get done. And and it's funny because well, and we'll get to we'll get into this a little bit more later, but uh, people were like, oh great, they're not gonna sign him <laughs> once they did. <laughs> you know, some people and maybe even some of the same people are like, oh great. Look at all that money, you know. And people are gonna, uh, well, whatever. I, and I think, yeah, th- he's a defensive playmaker. He's one of the, you know, the few that we we really have. I mean, the guy he forces turnovers. He very easily disrupts plays. He even, you know, he does it all himself. You know, he he makes these plays on his own. He gets the sacks. He gets the uh, tackles for a loss. He, uh, you know, he gets he gets these these stops. These big time stops. He's you know he's a monster and, and just. Ugh. the idea that you like wouldn't want to give him what he's owed n- never mind what everybody else would think of that just you know what i think of that that's that would be that would be insane because yeah, in and, and coming
0: I mean, into oh sorry buddy go ahead
3: no no it's fine i was just gonna say if you're if you're talking about you know possibly replacing him like you should hope he'd be as good as the person that you get would be as good as he is
0: and when people see him in his natural habitat Mm-hmm. Which is going to be very aggressive and aggressive defense. That's where he, <laughs> that's where this man belongs. You're going to look at that $55 million guaranteed money, you're like, wow, he's underpaid. That, I, I, honestly, I don't think people have, I mean, you kind of, you didn't, you never really saw him at his full potential before Billy Davis kind of came in here, right? And they kind of changed everything around. This is where, I mean, he's at the right weight, he's at the right conditioning, he's had the experience now in the NFL to kind of get in there. They're releasing everything the release of the chains like the, it, it's time to go eat and this is what they're going to do this front four is going to be very special he's the first piece in that and we'll get into a little later because I know somebody's asking about well can you keep it together now with Benny Logan and Matt's right look we can get into that right now because it is it is June and it's creeping toward July all the OTAs around the league are winding down and the equals are done but now we're getting into that worrisome stage where you just need to be you just need to have something to worry about <laughs> you know and and matt brought this up because he all showed it to us there are people now that are worried <laughs> about jordan matthews contract two years from now yeah. like they don't have cap money and this kind of ties into the whole bullshit that's been going around with these like, oh my god the eagles have spent the most guaranteed money this offseason isn't that crazy no it's not because here's why. The cap keeps going up. These guys were going, you would either have to make these guys free agents or move on from them. The Eagles cap number is going to look so small in the next two or three years because just as Matt pointed out, Von Miller's going to come in there and destroy probably Fletcher Cox's contract. I mean, this is this is probably the bar setting. We're like, okay, well that guy's right there and obviously they've already accomplished more. you got to pay me my money. And this is it's just going to be in the next couple of years for everybody. So in the next three of Andrew Luck's contract is, still has to get done. Like, there are an amazing amount of eye catching contracts that are still going to happen. And what else did you want these guys to do? I know people keep pointing at the free agency thing here, Patrick, but a lot of this wasn't really free agency. I mean, yeah, they spent money there because they had to. And every GM, again, the same with Chip, the same with how he's doing now, you have to bring in guys to fill in holes. They didn't have guards. They, didn't have, they yeah. didn't have another safety. Like, you have to do those things. What do you want them to do? Get more draft picks? Well, they they, they traded for a franchise quarterback, hopefully, you know? So uh, that's where I don't really understand the narrative of, a oh, the Eagles are spending so much money. No, you have to, just like you said, you have to pay these guys, and in the long run, I don't think it's going to be much here, P-Wall.
1: Yeah, and you look at the guys that they've signed. I mean, if you look at the, the guys, if you look at just the richness per of, of each player's contract, the top four guys on the team, Fletcher Cox, Lane Johnson, Vinnie Curry, Zach Ertz. Four homegrown guys in or reaching their prime at premium positions. You're talking about the foundational pieces of your defensive line, your left tackle of the future, hopefully your franchise tight end. And then you go down the list a little bit further, Brandon Brooks, Jason Kelsey, Malcolm Jenkins, your quarterbacks. I mean, these are they're not overpaying for like... I don't know the corpse of RG three or something like these are thoughtful <laughs> contracts. Josh and, Norman or yeah exactly. whatever
0: or possibly Brandon Boykin. Sorry, <laughs> I had to get that in there. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean these
1: are these are these are premium guys at premium positions in their mid to late twenties. I mean this is this is why you have money to spend it on guys with this exact profile.
0: Exactly, uh, and we want to get everybody's perspective, especially with Fletcher, and we we'll get into it even more and. Obviously, we have to talk about Nelson Aguilar, but first, we're going to travel into the future because as we're recording this on Wednesday night, we are going to meet with Jeff Mosier from 97.5 The Fanatic and also Eagles Scouting Nest, who we're talking to on Thursday afternoon. So, travel with us as we talk to Mr. Jeff Mosier. And we have officially traveled into the future. I'm glad we made it, everybody. Uh, Jeff Mosier is with us. Right now from 97.5, the Fanatic also, the Eagles scouting us. What is happening, Jeff? How are you, buddy?
2: Nothing, my man. This is what
0: the future looks like. Yes, it's it's a little little cloudy, but uh, (laughs) some some, some sunshine at the end of the road here. And we were talking about Fletcher Cox and just kind of the impact that contract has, the details of it. There's been some – we were talking about basically the weirdness of the back and forth where – like, oh, you can't pay him not, you know, quarterback money, and then at the same time, like, oh well, yeah, he's he's almost a hall of famer. So, what, what do you, what are your overall thoughts with the deal, and um, do you think it's going to be for the life of the contract? Here, going to be
2: worth it? Well, I think you know it's always hard to look into the future, as we just talked about. But I, I think all signs would indicate that this is the right contract for the right guy um, for as long as you and I can go back, John. Uh, you know, uh, really for the last few years. Whenever the Eagles gave a lot of money to someone, it's usually a cornerback or, and it's usually not the right scheme fit. And how often have we blasted the Eagles for trying to get, or not even just cornerback, but even DeMarco Murray and Chip Kelly and his team. How, how many times have we blasted a guy uh, in, in the Eagles organization for signing the wrong guy for too much money for the wrong fit? Here you have a guy they drafted. And remember, it's been since 2005, or 2005 to 2012. Between Trent Cole and Fletcher Cox, that the Eagles went without drafting a defensive player who made a Pro Bowl. Think about that. And then think about all the names, especially at cornerback, at safety, and even on the D line with your Trevor Laws and your Victor Abby Amiris, all those guys that they drafted, your Broderick Bunkley's, none of them made the Pro Bowl. So here you have a guy who you drafted high, he made the Pro Bowl, he's one of the best linemen in the league, and you want to keep him, and he's a perfect. Scheme fit for what Jim Schwartz does. So to me, whatever criticism people have, and, you know, there's always going to be some, to me, it's the right move. And the one thing you have to remember, big element to this that is lost when it comes to the financials of it, is that if Howie Rosen was in charge last year at the end of Fletcher Cox's third year, he very likely would assign Fletcher Cox to a deal, an extension then, like he did this year with Lane Johnson, Zach Ertz. Like he's pretty much done every year, that he's been in charge when they had a core player that they, that was good. If they had signed him last year coming off the four and a half sack season instead of this year coming off the 10 sack Bowl season, they probably would have had him for a lot less money. But that was a failure of the Chip Kelly and Manowitz regime. I don't even know if they tried to sign him. I have no idea, but they didn't and they had the chance. And so you let him get this much closer to free agency and let a lot of contracts drive up the price and that's basically what put Powell in this corner where you have to give him that kind of money
0: yeah exactly and this is uh, you know and maybe they could have made a cheaper deal I you know I you're probably right with that I'm still completely comfortable with the money they're giving them I mean sure there's you have to do kind of something with that and I again everybody kind of goes back to this like oh my god the Eagles are spending so much guaranteed money well yeah they I mean they kind of had to you know I mean like this is it's kind of the opposite effect that's going towards players that hopefully pan out into this court that they're hoping for here and I I, I, yeah I mean like do you do you think that they're going to be ever cap strapped in the Howie Roseman
2: era no I don't and if you think about it how often have the Eagles been criticized for going out and getting other players again and we talked about getting the Nambi getting the Asante getting the you know the, the free agents who just don't work out when all the good teams figure out a way to keep their own players well the Eagles are figuring out a way to keep their own players. Um, and secondly, that's what good championships team do. But also they don't have a lot of draft picks coming up because of the Carson Wentz deal, which really accentuates for them even more. So the opportunity to get guys under contract for the long term, because they're going to have to try to build a team around Carson for the next few years without having a lot of high picks. Um, I mean, we don't think so. Maybe they decide, you know, trade Sam Bradford and do, but the bottom line is this is the the, the best way that they can do it. And honestly, people talk about all the guaranteed money that Eagles are giving up. A lot of that is to quarterback to Sam Bradford this year. Once he's not the court, once he is not the quarterback going forward, which is next year, that's a lot of guaranteed money that we're not even talking about because he's not on the team anymore. And it's already been paid. The Eagles don't have anybody on their roster. You know, every single team, especially a good one, has a guy making top end money, right? And usually with the good ones, it's the quarterback. Well, by this time next year, the Eagles are gonna have a quarterback on a rookie deal and Fletcher Cox will be their high end money guy. So it balances it out in my opinion. Yeah. Especially if Carson Wentz is good.
0: Well, yeah, exactly. And that's the kind of the next thing you're you're hoping for here. Um, the other thing that kind of you know, it went away pretty quickly and we're gonna get into that in just a little bit here, but um, I, I know it's kind of a very hard subject to approach, and this is the other main reason why we want to talk to you is because you had uh, experience just kind of dealing with tough situations here. With the Nelson Aguilar thing, uh it I mean, just like I said, it kind of disappeared once the Fletcher Cox news happened, so I thought that timing was kind of odd. Um and dealing with a a rape allegation case which is, you know, statistically Women's, the woman's probably going to be right more times than she's not. So that always gives me some kind of worrisome moving into this thing and, oh, my God, I have to stop brooding for Nelson Aguilar. But how, as a reporter, would you kind of approach this situation?
2: Well, as a reporter, taking the emotion out as a reporter, how would I approach it? Well, you have a rape allegation. Uh, there's really no rules for what you're supposed to do, I feel, but I feel like there's rules about what you shouldn't do. Um, for example, I've already seen some people on Twitter, you know, kind of make a, a strip club joke, you know, Hey, let's go out to cheerleaders with our money, you know, like a uh, contract. So that's, that's not funny. No, no. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a rape allegation here and it needs to be taken very seriously. Um, the second thing I would do is, you know, obviously the first story you write is, well, there's an allegation. So you write the story, there's an allegation. I would not even write another story about it unless I was going to have it present both sides or at least make every attempt to get both sides. So obviously there will be people on the pro Nelson Aguilar side or with close ties to Nelson Aguilar speaking. I don't think, and already I've seen a story, which was a well-detailed story, I'll say that gave a lot of uh, specifics as to what happened, but it was clearly from the side of Nelson Aguilar, but you did not hear anything about the side of the rape victim. So, And I don't know that there was an attempt made, and I don't think the story said there was. I, I know that's kind of old journalism versus new journalism. Nowadays, is you write what, what I call a post instead of a story, and then if you can balance it out, you just do it with a new post. But for me, a rape allegation, if I'm going to write anything that has anybody's side of the story, I am damn well making sure I call up the other side or getting trying to get quotes from someone, either if it's not the victim, if someone goes to the victim to balance the story out instead of just writing a one-sided story. I don't think that that's the right thing to do. So any story I would write would have traded both sides.
0: I'm curious with that too, because would you, would you even publish a story that didn't, I mean, like, would you, would it be acceptable to just like you said, if it was a one-sided post, try to reach out for comment, would you even post it at that point?
2: I personally would object to it now Reporters sometimes lose battles to editors. Editors sometimes lose battles to their, uh, you know, publishers. Depends on who you work for. Uh, I would be really uncomfortable as a reporter doing any story that didn't have a balance. And I understand what new journalism is—you do a story now, and then your next story is the one that balances it out. I just don't like that because you can't guarantee there's going to be that next story. So, uh, if if it's going to be one-sided, with one faction's sources then i'm at least going to write a story that says i made an attempt to reach out to as many people on the other side as possible to get that side of the story uh,
0: and do you think this thing is going kind to of, i don't know i i have a weird feeling that this is kind of going to go away um and we'll probably get into that in just a little bit but i just feel like now it's i, it, I you i don't even get the sense that eagles fans uh want closure on this thing they just wanted to kind of to go away because it's an ugly situation again when somebody does this type of thing do you get that same sense of like this is just going to go away they're going to take care of it pr wise and we're going to get into football season once training camp starts
2: yeah that's a good question it's a hard i think that there's a little bit of a mix i think there are people that just want to go away but you know that's that's kind of ugly too that's burying your head in the sand and i would i you know if i were a fan i would want closure and it's kind of a tough line to draw because how how do you want closure you want there's nothing good to root for it's either you know you're rooting for that no one was raped which is good but then that someone's a liar and that you kind of have the duke situation all over again which was obviously so damaging that we saw or the other cases there's closure because he's guilty that's not great either that means a rape occurred so either way it's kind of an, an ugly outcome um and i think people you're right i think because people know that there's an ugliness to this they do want to Bury their head in the sand, but that—that's equally ugly, in my opinion. I, there's an investigation going on, John. So I imagine that when the investigation is closed, um, there will be an announcement from the police department. So it won't go away. There will—I I have to think that there'll be an announcement from the police department
0: office. Yeah, for sure, and there's – I mean, we're going to try and have an an attempt at at this uncomfortable situation a little more just to kind of push it forward because I think it's important to still talk about while it's it's in our face here. You know, like I know it's not like every Eagles fan just dreamed to kind of do that, and just like you said, and I – you know, since we don't have the other side, it's really hard to have an opinion one way or the other too. I think we get caught up in, oh, yeah, cut him immediately or – let's wait until all the facts out or, you know, ah, uh, she's a money garbage bitch. Like it's just like all those things kind of compile together. Um, and I, I don't know, I would just like to enjoy football again at some point. And I don't know if that's ever going to happen again.
2: This really tests our, um, our reactions as sports fans because we are especially in the era of Twitter and Facebook and social media and uh, sports talk radio 24 seven. We are not patient with our opinions. We want to voice them now, but a situation like this and i think the duke you know i watched the 30 for 30 on that a couple months ago and forgot how amazingly polarizing it was and it was all built around you know fabrication i think it just we just need to wait till the police tell give us a little more and then hope that the police are being accurate and that there's no special treatment here and and proceed from
0: there. Yeah, and there's... Exactly, and there's... Even when you were saying that, I'm watching, you know, the O.J. in America series, and it's kind of the same thing. And oh, it amazing.
2: And yeah.
0: how they, you know, how they leaned on to certain things to kind of go away. And I think of the kid from Stanford, you know, who did an atrocious thing, and the father did an atrocious thing, and just like, these people are fucking garbage, you know, And mm-hmm. and then that's in the back of your mind as this thing comes out. So I think that there's... There could be some of that uh, going into the mindset of folks. I know that popped into my head too. So, um,
2: yeah, certainly. Absolutely. I think the OJ thing you point to was a really good example. I've been watching too. It's great. I mean, it's amazing how many people were, um, pro OJ at the time because of the way OJ was portrayed to the, to America as this great, you know, gap bridging human being who, uh, you know, could appeal to all sorts of cross sections and, you know, it's, it's just, fascinating and here Nelson Aguilar was brought in by Chip Kelly as a culture guy a guy who would never yeah. be in trouble as a guy you would have no problem rooting for because he was going to be smart on the field smart off the field and you know, one year later here we are
0: exactly exactly but uh, Jeff we always appreciate your perspective on things especially when they're kind of uh, tough to kind of talk about so we will uh, we'll definitely talk to you next week and thank you so much again for joining us thank
2: you John pleasure coming on
0: I don't know what Jeff has said, but I'm sure it was great insight as usual. And it's kind of, I I, I like to get him on here because I I really wanted his perspective on, we can all have, and it really gets into a sticky kind of mushy, gross situation when you're talking about rape allegations, NFL players, and a, a lot of that. And you see all the opinions on Twitter. You see all the opinions in the comments, the articles, the kind of like, men's rights activist crap the you know and not to say that it is like this this looks to me as of now with the information that we have to be not true uh, but it's just kind of uh, it's a really hard thing to do because the statistics tell you that women don't lie about these things and i had and I'm sure everybody's stomach dropped when, you know, that kind of came around here. And it was also kind of interesting to me that the Cox extension was announced just a couple of days after it was linked to being at a strip club uh, to kind of get away from that. And you can't even, that's what I'm saying, man. Like it's, it doesn't even come up now, you know, it's, it's there. It hasn't really quite gone away. We haven't really had closure on it, but it it just kind of, it was there for two or three days and there was, talks between both things like oh man this is it went from like this is going to be really bad to okay it looks like nelson was trying to get some get his sex on <laughs> you know and and something really didn't happen in the champagne room and they were trying to get money out of it that's that to me at, with what's presented now is is how it goes but i, I hate these situations because there's no it, it's it's just a hard thing to approach you know and i'm i'm always on the side of the woman most of the time when these things come out, because we can say whatever we want about athletes and yes, and I, and I know that there are websites out there and there are people out there and there are certain women out there that go and look for these high profile guys, right? There there are websites dedicated to, I can't even remember, I, whatever, I wouldn't give out the website even, <laughs> even to give them exposure, but they go look for the quote unquote ballers. And they have, they track to see where there are to get them in these types of situations to try and get money out of them. That exists. That definitely exists. But what also exists on the other side of this is that rape cases go heavily underreported, and that's just the facts. And we hold up these things to athletes and everything else like, well, he wouldn't do this because he's an athlete, because he's in the limelight. And then yeah, I'm sitting there watching this great 30 for 30 that ESPN's putting out with OJ Simpson. And we're like, well, do we really, <laughs> you know, do we really know? I mean, what do you really put it? Cause, cause people at the end of the day, people are people, you know, and, and we don't, we don't really know, but I'm just curious if it, you guys can throw in and talk as much or as little as you want about it. But Matt, like what, what did you think of this situation when it came out and as it's unfolded now?
3: Yeah, it's, uh, I've really sort of struggled with it. I've mostly just sort of put it out of my head, I guess. Right. Um, which, I don't know if that I don't think that is really a particularly admirable thing to do, Um, but uh, it's it's sort of hard to wrap your mind around. I guess I guess the only thing that I could really say that I'd be really comfortable saying is that I don't think I've ever seen something like this where this happened and uh, everything sort of coalesced so quickly because within hours everyone was like, nope, set up. You know, that was that was that to me was sort of strange because I just remember I mean, there's been a lot of crime in the nfl you know high profile players uh shady mccoy doing doing stupid shit or um you know adrian peterson and his kids and uh, greg hardy and you know all these you know all this like violent stuff um and and you know a lot of that was corroborated and and it certainly didn't see like i just don't see and and i don't know this could all just be you know eagles eagles are very good at this i have no idea if they are i kind of hope they aren't uh, this good at it, you know, because it's sort of creepy. Because I, I kind of bought it, but I don't think I've ever seen anything sort of coalesce within two hours. You know, everyone was on the same page that, like, yeah, this did not happen. Um, yeah. I guess the only thing that I and, could and say
0: we've, we we kind of talked about that back and forth a little bit too is like, well, man, that's not, I mean, it came out so quick that it all sounded like it was from the same source. Yeah, you know, maybe,
1: it, but it's po-
3: yeah. Well, so I guess the other thing I'd say is that i look, even if this didn't happen, this does happen and right. I mean this does happen a lot and 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 this happens a lot more than than it doesn't you know what I mean like you know the f- false rape accusations are are very uncommon, so I'd hate to sort of think that this would become some sort of new i don't know what you call it trend or measuring stick or whatever It'd be like, well, you know, okay, sure, like we just heard that like this happened, but you remember the Agalor stuff. You know, oh, we just heard like, because look, this, this is, this is bad stuff. And if it did happen, and I'm not saying it did, although somebody's saying that it did, that usually means that it happened. And so. (sighs) Yeah, statistically. Yeah. And that's what, that's more to the point too.
0: It's just like, I think that's why when people react quickly to that news, I don't blame them because most of the time it ends up being correct. And that's just the percentages. And, and. Part of it is, too, is just like you have to look at what we know of Nelson Aguilar and realize that I I don't, and and again, because we don't know, none of us know him, but what we've been told about him is he would never even attempt something like this in his character, the way he speaks, the way he does things. That's what makes him different and shady that's what makes him different than Greg Hardy. it's what makes him different than a lot of people that do bad shit because he's a good person he generally looks and talks like a good person so that's where there it's it's kind of odd and and you hope you just don't like oh man because i thought patrick like i was like man we got duped we got duped in this kid thinking that he was that he was that
3: he was a good kid and when it wouldn't it, be it, the first time you know
0: right exactly when it first came out and then as things started going along it kind of put my mind to just like okay, good. It re- it really does sound like it's a setup, and I'm again, we don't exactly know, and I'm not saying that that's that's how it's going to be here, but yeah, I mean, like what w- what was your reaction to that kind of thing?
1: Well, it was really, I mean, this also happened. If you want to go back and remember, so much other horrible shit has happened since this, but this also happened around the same time as the Stanford rape case. So this was sort of, yeah. This was yeah. unfortunately one of those situations where it's like, all right, well, internet, what did we learn today? Like, let's take what we learned in this last horrible case and apply it to this one. And, um, you know, I, I think you saw a lot of this sort of standard people complaining about, you know, oh, he's an athlete, so you know, insert horrible take here. Um, I think it's important to remember in situations like this, a Uh, A football player slash athlete slash famous person slash person that you like and admire, uh, you might think you know them, you don't. Not only do you not know them, you don't owe them anything, they don't owe you anything. Giving someone you do not know the benefit of the doubt in a situation like this over a person who is potentially putting themselves in the face of all kinds of horrible scrutiny, uh, to me is, I, I don't know what the right word is, but it's not something you should be doing. Yeah. Um, As you guys have both said, um, these cases, in large part, when there is an accusation made, it's usually true. And I saw a lot of arguments about whose side you should take initially. I think, and I don't think I'm breaking any new ground by saying this, I think we should all hope that it's not true because it means that a woman wasn't sexually assaulted.
0: Yeah, and that's what you... Exactly right. And I think it is important for that. And it's also a good reminder. Yes, of course, wait for the facts to come out. And try not to react to everything there. But it's in in these types of things, it's kind of really hard not to. And to this woman, if it turns out that this is a setup, well, fuck you too, and I hope you... I mean, like, throw her ass in jail. Because... Yeah. and and it has yeah. nothing. And it has nothing to do with men's rights or like taking advantage of all that. Like you get into that road, and it and it, it turns into a complete fuckery. But if if it is clear one hundred percent, because I know it's so hard to prove these cases otherwise. But if there's supposed video footage of of them two and and whatever, if it becomes at a hundred percent that Agalor is cleared in this thing. It should, and the the problem I had was that it's just like, yeah, obviously, if if it's if it's a fake uh, accusation, there should be there should be if, if uh, I'm having trouble trying to spit it out because I want to make sure I'm saying the right things here. But at the end of the day, I, I it also creates a problem, just like Matt was saying, where if this is a false thing, then people will point to that. It's just like, well, Nelson Aguilar. And I know I heard a lot of people saying with Nate Allen, too. Because we remember, or it was Nate Allen, right? A couple of yeah, years ago, was where he was like in the parking somebody lot,
3: saw, somebody saw him whacking it in the parking lot or at a stoplight or something, and and it turned out that it was like not him, and it wasn't his car, and it like wasn't even a black guy or something. Yeah, you know? just just totally totally bonkers. I don't. I'll look, I want to say this again. I I don't ever want to hear anybody bring this up. If this turns out to be true, untrue, I don't ever think that we should mention it again. You know, this is not like a teachable moment or anything. I think that this was, if this turns out to be untrue, then this will be just a very sad thing and we can put it all behind us. But I don't think that, I don't, if this turns out to be, if it turns out to be untrue, this will be a very, very big exception.
0: Yes. and, And that is too. And that, and more or less, that's kind of what I was driving towards is people are going to constantly point to this, as like the the rarity of of the false accusations and maybe you know I don't know I I have no idea what the statistics are as far as like if it's a high profile person but that to me really doesn't matter because even then it is still so probably small that it I I don't want it to gain leverage over every other rape accusation that is in 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 real life with another athlete, with another high-profile person, because it needs to be taken seriously. And I, I guess that's at the end of it. There's no real good answer here. You just hope it goes away. You hope it goes away because I really like what Nelson Aguilar presents himself as. I, like, I buy into him, and I really think that he's going to be an important part of this team this year. They need him on that side. But if there's anything else that is... In between that, I he cut him immediately too. I mean, there's, there's, you know, there, there's that other end of don't even mess with it. Like, if there was a hint of like, oh yes, actually, there's, you know, there's evidence suggesting that this might have this might have happened. Uh, you know, I'm out. But until then, it's just more. I mean, have the Eagles ever gone without drama at any point in this off season? Like it just kind of adds up. But I, I find it interesting again, P. Wall, that the Cox thing happened. And this kind of kind of disappeared into it. Mostly, I think, because of the comments and everybody else that kind of rolled out after this, saying like it feels like a setup. There's no video evidence. There's no nothing there. Do you think we'll circle back to round to this? Because oddly enough, I don't. Is it weird that people don't care anymore? Like I, I think the Eagles fans have mostly moved on from it. I don't think they care if they get closure or not on it.
1: Hard to say. I mean, I, I. I... <laughs> I also think so much just horrible things have happened in the rest of the world recently that it's kind of hard to remember which well, tragic event we're talking about recently, yeah, which uh, is
0: also a horrifying thing. Just like, yeah, Jesus, like mass shootings. There's rape, like everything that kind of came to a head, like came to a head in, in a week and a half. And it just, it, it blows me away how, how messed up everything is and how we're trying and enjoy things for a moment or two. And, uh, we just haven't been able to do that. Uh and sometimes it's a good thing as it's a it's a as a reminder. Not the actual act, but a reminder of like, hey, you know, it, it's it's real life out there, even though we're talking on Eagles podcast. Sometimes you gotta remove yourself and be like, Wow, there's a really a lot of fucked up shit that's going on right now and we should probably pay attention to that. And really all this stuff means nothing in the long run.
1: Yeah. oh
0: sorry, I was just throwing it back to you people. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I didn't I didn't really I didn't really leave you anything there. I'm sad now. No, no. Yeah. I mean, and I didn't mean to bring it. <laughs> we got to get down. the energy level back up. Gotta, here, yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So I, I guess in closing with this is is just that there is no real closing and I I hope it I hope it goes away and I hope nobody was harmed regardless of uh, of what's all happening here. So, let's uh let's have a little bit of fun. Let's get to the mailbag. We want to hear from you.
1: Message here on
0: Call the Duncan Philly Anytime Hotline, leave us a message, and we'll put you on the air. 267-245-6066. That's 267-245-6066. Or tweet your thoughts to us at BGN underscore radio. All right, we'll start with uh, our good friend Moloko at Moloko. Patrick, we'll start with you. Which non-defensive back on the Eagles would be best at converting to safety?
1: Which non-defensive back? Oh <laughs> yeah. my god! Oh uh, it's got to be Michael Kendricks, right?
0: I, I, that would that would be my choice too. Michael Kendricks would probably. Well, I don't know. He's probably a little too short to play safety, but I would still say that can't measure uh, heart, John. I've got can't, one. Go for it,
3: Josh Huff. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that there dude. It is. That dude's a human bicep. Uh, I bet. I, I bet just, he could. I bet he could do a little bit of damage if he wanted to.
0: That's not bad. He can't really catch, so move him over to the defensive side of the ball. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, other players that haven't been uh, getting much about, our good friend uh, Docking Ted. Why can't Trey Burton get snaps at wide uh, receiver? He, he was a multiple position in college. And a second question: uh, We'll go Matt, and then we'll go P. While also, is it possible that Mills takes Rose job, which is? Quite a ballsy question if I may add, but Matt, uh, why do you think Trey Burton at wide receiver wouldn't be possible or would be possible?
3: Uh, I don't know. Probably because he doesn't run routes that well. I don't, I haven't, (laughs) I can't say that for sure, but I would, that would be my assumption is that look, if he's going to, I mean, he could play like split end or whatever. Don't you hate split ends? Uh, He could, you know, he could play like split out a little bit, but I don't think he's, I don't think he's a savvy enough route runner to, to sort of be there all the time. I mean, yeah, I'm gonna go with that. And as far as Mills taking Rose's job, I think Mills will take uh Carroll slash whoever's job before they take Rose job.
0: Yeah, I don't think uh I don't think Rose going everywhere. McKelvin. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. Uh oh maybe. Uh and uh yeah, p uh Trey Burton, wide receiver.
1: You know, I'm really curious though, because like I feel like everything that I thought I knew about the Chip Kelly era, I i I just I don't know anymore. So, you know, if you'd asked me this question last year, I would have said, well, you know, Chip's going to move him around and they're going to put him in into different spots. Even though he uh, never did any of that. Right, exactly. So now <laughs> I'm kind of like, well, well, maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll see this year. Maybe he'll play fullback. Maybe he'll split out wide. Who who even knows? God, if he ends
0: up at fullback, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. <laughs> <It's a laughs> I waste. will. I, I, yeah, like, if it, I, honestly, instead of wide receiver, I why not give him a couple snaps of running back?
1: Or tight end, Ooh. like that's what
0: I'm saying. Like I like him in both or, of those safety. Spots. or safety, or <laughs> safety, mm-hmm. uh, obviously. But yeah, I it, it, same people. I it's just like they're. I I feel like he could contribute somewhere. He seems to have pretty good hands. Tight a tight end, running back. I think would I think running back would be a, a perfect spot for him. Even though there's like a thousand of them that can't be bell cows. But we'll get into that l- later on in the in the year. And uh, what do you think about Mills uh, over Roe?
1: If Jalen Mills takes anybody's job, it's because Jalen Mills is playing like amazingly well. So I guess I'm fine with it. But God, you really, I, Ro needs to Roe needs to win his job. That would be yeah. bad.
0: Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think his job's going anywhere. And I won't get too hyped about the the Mills talk only because it looks like he's had great OTAs. As we've learned every year, every single year, every preseason, every non-snap that isn't week one. It really means nothing, but I hope uh, he continues to impress during OTAs. All right, we're going to go back to the phones, and I apologize for everybody uh, that called in last week and we didn't get a chance to get in. We had some uh, issues with that, but it is back, so you can call anytime, uh, 267-245-6066. Let's go to our old friend, Stephen Lee.
2: What's up, BCN? Long time no talk. This is Stephen Lee checking in from West Palm Beach, Florida. And uh, because it's a slow time in the offseason, Figured I'd call you guys and then hit you up with a random question just to kind of gauge everybody's thoughts and opinions on this. Who is your favorite Eagles cornerback of all time? Derek Allen, maybe Lito Shepard, Bobby Taylor, Troy Vincent, Sheldon Brown, Asante Samuel, the idea of an Oakland-esque, Namdi uh, um Yeah, just kind of figured that'd be a fun question. I'd imagine that a lot of uh, people's opinions probably vary on this subject. I'd probably go with Sheldon Brown, though. Um, Played eight good seasons for us, and and honestly, who could forget that hit on Reggie Bush? You know, a little bit of an undersized corner, but always played with a lot of physicality. Real tough, uh, real tough DB, and uh, he definitely held it down during those prime defensive years under Jim Johnson. So uh, thanks as always, guys, for taking my call. Hope everybody's doing well. Later. Favorite
0: Eagles cornerback of all time, Patrick Walgo.
1: Well, uh, I don't know if I've ever confessed this on air, but I haven't actually been an Eagles fan for very long. Uh-oh. The first year I ever followed the Eagles was 2005 because uh, I didn't grow up in a sports-watching family, and I also grew up in Washington football team country. So my knowledge does not go back super far, but Lito Shepard is the man to me. I will always remember that 06 TO's return game, uh, watching it at my friend's dorm room, visiting for college, and screaming bloody murder when he had that 101-yard pick six. Uh, It's one of my top three favorite Eagles moments of all time, so I got to go with Lito.
0: Which is interesting because, uh, you know, uh, Stephen Lee said Sheldon Brown, so you have the duo going there. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to say, I I hate, I mean, like, sorry, Asante Samuel's my favorite Eagles cornerback of all time. And I know he wasn't the greatest ever, but he was so much fun. And... It just kind of when he when he rang the bell on McLean and Bowen in the locker room. It is something I'll never <laughs> ever
1: repeat. less
0: less lessen lesson Jeff to the podium, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, that it, it, it was just long before we even started doing this stuff and getting to know some of those guys. So I, I to me, Asante is still my favorite cornerback. Matt,
3: yeah, I kind of agree. I thought I thought with a lot of football players, you know. Uh, this is going to come across wrong, whatever I'm doing it. A lot of football players are professionals, you know, they're like, I'm out here, I got to do a job and this is like my job. But Asante's like, no man, this is who I am. You know, (laughs) it it was like, it was like a much more personal thing to him. He's like, look, I don't really want to use my arms. If I'm going to tackle someone, I'm going head first and I am going to just get a lot of picks and do a lot of crazy shit. And you know, I'm a total lunatic. Uh, just, I just felt like that was like that was really who he was, and it came across in a style of play. All right, you got to kind of admire that. So I'm gonna go with Asante Samuel as well. Cannot wait to touch all that thickness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh,
0: uh, uh. And like that, I think he was quoted in the you know the famous Miracle of Meadowlands where he goes over to Deshaun Jackson's like, "You run this back, I'm I'm paying you cheddar." And and he did, and he then he paid him like whatever I don't know a grand or whatever it was more than did, we make know.
1: in five years.
0: That's right. <laughs> Uh, next question comes from not my real emails, which is a fantastic, uh, handle. Does the Cox extension, uh, make Benny Logan's new deal less likely next off season would be a ton of money for the interior line. And this is the question that we had kind of touched on earlier. I I don't think it really affects anything. Uh, Matt, do you think that I think Benny Logan's going to get paid, whatever he's going to get paid? And I think that there's definitely a way to keep that together. And the one thing that we haven't mentioned yet is the fact that you have Carson Wentz on a rookie deal for the next four years. So you can pretty much do anything until that contract's over.
3: Oh, great. Oh, Um, great. Oh, great. Uh, Yeah. I I mean, I don't think there's any reason like, look, if they need the money, they can find the money. And I certainly, I mean, I look, I like Benny Logan a lot, but I don't think he's like a hundred million dollar man or whatever. I, I think that he's like a, you know, like more of a Brandon Graham kind of deal for him. Yeah, and you know, certainly we got guys coming off the books, like you said, Sam Bradford, um, uh, what's his name, Hipster Hulk, Connor Barwin. Um, you know, <laughs> Peters is probably coming off. Uh, you know, Kelsey might be looking at like yeah. getting his cap number reduced either by you know one way or another. But you know, the these are the sorts of things that could happen. But look, I don't think just because they like Fletcher Cox isn't going to cost them all their money. The cap is like one hundred fifty one million dollars this year, and it's going to be like. 160 next year i mean this is not like and and, uh, yeah it's not going to cost them all their money it's it's ridiculous so i don't think that there's going to be any any trouble paying these guys
1: yeah i I think the interesting thing too is that you get um you get a year in the system to see what benny logan can do i mean i think all expectation is that he's going to you know be kind of more of the same or an improvement maybe because he gets to be a little bit more attacking but on the other hand too if he's not then you know you know, you know what you have at least. Um, so I, I would like. I think Matt nailed it on the head. I think you end up paying him because, like as we said before, you pay for the good players on your team. That's how you have a good team, um, regardless of the position. But I don't anticipate him being such a huge contract that it becomes a huge issue. But um, this is—I hate this saying—but it's a good problem to have. And this D line is going to be, I think, the cornerstone. It's gonna be fucking. Ridiculous. It's gonna be the cornerstone of a really good defense. So pan. Yes.
0: Uh, yeah, And and as Matt will always get mad at me about criticizing Howie because I probably do it too much, and he's probably ah. right. He's probably right. <laughs> the one thing I this is the other thing too is like along with all this, the one thing I would never ever criticize Howie Roseman is being able to fucking manage a cap signing good deals and making sure you have enough fucking money. Yep. Are we, do we, do we forget this all the time that no matter what happens, Harry Roseman is a goddamn magician when it comes to this stuff. He can make any deal look great and also help the Eagles out.
3: Yeah. And you know what? I think that a lot of times too, people get sticker shock because of sort of how he operates. Cause how he loves big flashy numbers because agents love big flashy numbers exactly. and how agents love that shit. And I mean, I don't think that agents are dumb You know, you certainly you you listen to interviews that they'll occasionally do and they all sound like they're pretty sharp guys. But like you remember Michael Vick's hundred million dollar deal that had 40 million dollars that he wouldn't get if he were in line to get it. Like they said, if you're on the (laughs) team, you don't get this money. So (laughs) like that's it. I mean, if and if you're not on the team, you also don't get the money. So you don't get the money. But it was a six year hundred million dollar deal or whatever it was. And anyway, I mean, I don't think and I think that that, too, sort of contributes to this kind of you know, vague sense that we have that like, Oh, the cap is, is there. And like a hundred million dollars is a lot of money. But like, look, yeah, I I think that, I think that the, like you said, it'll contribute to the sticker shock, but I don't think that by any means is it, are we up some shit Creek without a paddle?
0: All right, let's go back to the phone lines. Uh, James and Raleigh.
2: Hey, it's James over in Raleigh. Just giving you guys a call. had a couple questions. What do you think is more important for us for the Eagles to add depth-wise? Is it linebacker or running back? And for both of them, do you see any free agents available that you think might be able to help, possibly like Stephen Tulloch or something like that? Thanks for answering the question. Have a good one, guys.
0: Ah, uh, yes. The Stephen Tulloch makes its way again onto the bod. Uh, no, I don't think Stephen is is going to be – I think I think we've answered it before. He wants to start, probably not going to be able to start here. Uh, Patrick, you think linebacker depth or running back depth is more of a problem right now, though?
1: Running back depth just because the Eagles are hurting for playmaking on offense, and I would hope that any running back they add would be better than what they have, and that would make the playmaking 2% better. And I'm not uh, super worried about the linebackers, so I'd go running back.
0: I uh, I actually think they have enough depth at running back. They just don't have anybody that's yep, <laughs> spectacular. So I'm actually going to say I'm going to say it's more of a problem for for linebacking depth, Matt.
3: Ooh, this is a good one because you know one side you have like one guy who plays at a time, and the other one you have three guys who play at a time. So you know you yeah. got to sort of you got to sort of weigh it back and forth. I guess when you're talking about how many guys can get hurt before you have somebody who. Uh, you know, sure so it turns into a problem. Yeah, before you have a, a medical supply salesman out there playing for you. <laughs> uh, I guess you're talking about like linebacker. Well, we have like probably one solid reserve and Najee Good and running back. I guess we have two solid reserves. So yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, I guess I guess with linebacker depth, too, I sort of roll my eyes at it. But I think at the same time, look, if linebacker depth becomes a problem, you can always sign Stephen Tulloch. So <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. If he's waiting to waiting to hang out. That's a, that's a pretty good point there. Yeah. You could just wait. Somebody gets hurt. You get uh, Stephen Tulloch. Hey, man, how you doing? Get on down here. You know,
0: friend of the show. Najee Good, by the way, Matt, as Ma- yes. Mike K would say. Uh... Oh, yeah, that's right.
3: Also, his <laughs> dog is friends with one of my friend's dogs. And so. There you go. Yeah. Nice,
0: uh, this is from uh, willing to go ham if possible. Bryce Brown or Arian Foster, which would be a better fit in
3: Philadelphia? Matthew? Oh, you got to let me take this. Yeah, oh go for man, I live for this question. <laughs> I live for it. Uh, I'm gonna go with Arian Foster because I think Bryce Brown is dumb as a pile of rocks. Uh, I would also agree, Patrick.
1: Uh, I'd probably go Bryce Breezy. <laughs>
0: Bryce Breezy, but b- probably because it'll cost you about ten cents, uh, as opposed to Arian Foster's, you know, two point or one point five million dollars, if he ever wants to play again. Is the Our medical team salesman
1: team? a two way player?
0: Well, you, know, <laughs> you got to think about these things in the long run. Here, uh, two back to backs from uh, Albert Lord. We'll start with this one. It's the two thousand eight season. Rank the NFC East quarterbacks: Eli Romo, Wentz, Cousins, Go, Patrick.
1: Wait, say Not that a- again.
0: So it's 2018. So we're going into the future, much like we did with Jeff Mosher on this episode. And he wants to know who's going to be the best NFC quarterback in 2018.
1: Well, I'm going to guess that, uh, Tony Romo and Eli Manning are going to crash their flying cars into each other after a game and, uh, Carson Wentz (laughs) by default. No, no. I think, uh, I think in a couple years time, um, I think it's actually probably going to be pretty close because my guess is that a lot of like guys like Romo, if he's still if he's still in Dallas, is going to be yeah. on the downswing around the same time that Carson Wentz is on the upswing. So I think by then it's going to be a pick honestly.
0: honestly. Uh, I'm going to... Uh, I'll answer the question. I, I'll pick Wentz because I don't think Cousins is going to be here. And I think Eli and Romo are done. So that's by default. I think it's Carson Wentz, Matt.
3: Yeah, I guess I'm sort of 50 50 on whether Eli will still be playing, but by 2018, Romo's not going to still be playing. If you yeah. told me Romo'd never played another snap, I'd probably believe you. I mean, that guy is in rough shape, and, <laughs> and I feel for him because we have the same birthday. <laughs> <laughs> but,
1: um, <laughs> classic Scorpios or whatever you want. Yeah, are. yeah, there it is.
3: Or whatever it is. Uh, but Taurus, buddy, come on. Um, so anyway, so I was, I'm 50, 50 and whether Eli's still playing, you know, he sort of seems like a big dumb kid out there. Um, and then cousins. Yeah. So I would say that if Eli's still playing Eli and if not, I would, so I would put Wentz at the top there and then cousins, uh, wherever he ends up, Minnesota, I guess, uh, he'll be second
0: uh all right his follow up question uh and this is is handled again from lord at lord underscore albert uh the fourth i would I would guess that's zumba's i v there also I need a calculation of how many extra first round picks the cowboys have it's at least a dozen right so for those that you don't know, Gilbrant, who was once respected and probably still is by a lot of the old heads. Uh, it tweeted out something about the Cowboys hiring the nutritionist from Auburn. Is that right? Uh, and that's basically like an extra first round pick. So like every single year, somebody that is related to the Cowboys, some freaking media person or whatever, whatever talent that they end up picking up much like Jalen Ramsey. Oh, it's another extra round first pick Lyle Collins. It's an extra round first pick. They have done it again. Uh, Patrick, and they have hired a nutritionist and that is also a first round pick. So what, uh again, what would be a another first round pick for the Cowboys this offseason? you think?
1: Well, I mean, if you think about it, the Cowboys play in one of the biggest and best stadiums in sports, um, unlike the bears or a team like that, that plays in kind of like a swamp. So just the added benefit of playing on a big field with a big screen and more cheerleaders in your stadium than fans, uh, that's got to be worth at least an extra first round pick, right? Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Matt, where were some of the good, uh, extra first round picks that you saw?
3: Um, boy, I don't know. Getting Tony Romo back, that's basically like having a first round pick. <laughs> I think once Darren McFadden returns from breaking his ankle or elbow, diving for his phone, uh, that's like basically a first round pick. I mean, Darren McFadden was good enough <laughs> oh, yeah. to be a first round pick. Just, back we didn't mention his day. that. Oh, man. Yeah. And then, and then I think about like, you know, Jason Garrett, like, um, if he gets a better cell phone plan, I, you know, I, 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 I'm terrified because that's like another first round pick. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, I think that if you look at it, number one, the richest franchise in first round picks has to be the Jacksonville Jaguars, who have three first round picks this year and it only cost them two first round picks and a high second round pick. Um. But I think number two has to be the Dallas Cowboys uh here <laughs> where we have we've got they're hiring a nutritionist and man does he make a mean waldorf salad so uh, yeah like he I'm cuts mean... the grapes in half like <laughs> i'm not even kidding uh you wouldn't believe this salad so no i i'm sure that some nutritionist out there is like oh, i'm gonna write him an email yeah. so i understand the nutritionists work very hard and stuff but like uh every nfl yeah, we... team has them, and i don't really think that like <laughs> i don't really watch auburn and be like oh those are some well-fed young men so um yeah oh boy that's that's just, that's got to be something where it's just like, boy, any benefit to a football team, that's good. You know what else is good? First round picks. <laughs> Same thing. Like, I don't know what your, I don't know what your thought process is there, but, uh, oh, you know, the, the other thing, the other thing I'll say is that I think I heard that Gil Brand doesn't write his own tweets. So does, part of, he, he yikes. Yeah, so part of me wants to sort of wonders if maybe the guy who does write his tweets follows me on Twitter. So, mm-hmm. uh, oh. if you, if he does, you should just let me know. Just just let me know, however you want to. It's also, also important heard...
1: to remember, we're, we're talking about first-round picks. Are we talking about, like, we're talking about Andrew Luck first-round picks or are we talking about Brandon Whedon first-round picks?
0: Well, that's <laughs> true. I mean, it doesn't matter. If they're with the Cowboys, it's a good thing. If Brandon Whedon, and he was there, that's, so true. that's so we're talking another first-round pick that they had. Yeah, exactly. Another first-round pick that is great. We had a lot of fun with that this morning, too, because I think Matt was kicking it off, and there were things like, Oh, the Cowboys got thirty percent off a of Coles coupon in the mail today. More first round picks. <laughs> and then uh our friend uh Joe uh Williams was checking into that. they're also exchanging all their stockpiled bed bath and beyond coupons for extra first round picks next year. Uh what else do we
3: have? Oh yeah. Oh, they got a they got a Cap and Crunch Oops All Berries. That's another first round <laughs> pick.
0: Jerry Jerry Jones found an onion ring in his Burger King fries, more first round oh, picks. Oh, hell
3: yeah. That no, that's the best though. Like we can't make fun of that. That's the best. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh jerry jones found a marble red in the parking lot more first round picks yeah so uh it, it's just i don't know Gil. i also heard did i say that already Gil Brandt uh, also doesn't go to the practices that he writes about for draft season too like he just has a couple of his cronies go out there they give out the wrong information and then feed it to him he's got to be one of the sunshine pumpers
3: now right somebody has to be paying Gil Brandt to talk about bad players kill brant was the like mr tom savage right like and that is and it's funny because you 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 throw your hat into the wrong ring even once because i've heard about i've heard about other sunshine pumpers for dudes like uh like i heard like about a really really big time one for carson palmer back in the day but like carson palmer's at least something if you're gonna be out there you're gonna be like you know who's really good Tom savage (laughs) you know like that's like (laughs) That's like a reputation killer right there, because from now on, it's going to be like, oh, you know, had dinner at this place. You'd be like, oh, what's wrong with it? Like, you know, that sort of thing. Like, (laughs) I don't think I could ever take another thing he says seriously again. And (laughs) yeah, and he does just love to talk about like players at Texas schools and all that stuff. And he's he's clearly got like something going on. And I sort of follow him because I think he's kind of a hoot. And like, you know, it's funny to think about this like 81 year old man tap, tap, tapping out like, uh, oh, first round pick here because they got a guy from Auburn. Uh, so but you know it is it is very um specious what he says well
0: we want to thank everybody for uh you know having any your questions calling in once again if you just have you can just tag it you know hashtag bgnr mailbag and we'll be sure to uh, answer them because we're going to be doing a lot of mailbag shows through the dead zone um and we actually i want to thank everybody for all your suggestions so we're going to as we get into this dead zone period here we're going to do a couple of like college draft previews uh, and not really draft previews, but just, like, looking ahead to the college season, maybe some players you'll be looking for. Me and Ben will go over that stuff, and it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, obviously, more mailbag shows. Uh, me and Dave Mangels have been coming up with something that we're either going to do on the pod or do, like, Google Hangouts, and we're just going to go through all of the Eagles history. And it came through, and I apologize because I forgot his handle, but somebody had mentioned, hey, if you could go through some of the great moments in Eagles uh, history and just kind of break them down almost. So, so I thought it'd be fun that we have a little bit of commentary as it's happening. So I think the first one we're going to do is 4th and 26 because I can't believe how awful that drive was before and after the 4th and 26 play and how they basically could have won the game but did not. <laughs> and then Akers had to go and kick in this long field goal to kind of even just get them into overtime and it'll be a lot of fun. So we're going to have like a rolling commentary Basically, on those things that we love and remember, and we'll get your suggestions too. As we're rolling out before we do final thoughts, just some, uh, just touching up on things. Uh, your your franchise quarterback today locked himself in the bathroom <laughs> somewhere in New Jersey, and he tweeted about it. So I thought that was that was kind of funny. But uh, uh, bigger than what's been happening, and it's been getting a ton of coverage everywhere today, is the fact that I'll also say, friend of the show, Walter Thurman is. This is why I love this guy so much. Not only did he give us a great year at safety and just playing here, and obviously it looks like he's going to be retiring here, but he coined an alias, Dick Mahoney, which is which is awesome to to begin with, and dressed himself up with Jerry Curl's L.A. Dodgers hat and would just go to this softball rec league and just hit home run after home run and a home run, and nobody really noticed it, and kind of started this persona around him because this was. This is what he does. When we talk to him, like this was kind of how he was, and he really was into movie making and and just having a good time. And if he was, if he had been in Eagles longer and stayed healthy, I think that uh, we would all fall in love with him. But I thought that was the most amazing thing that just he just kind of like <laughs> rolled up with this alias and decided to playing, uh, you know, men's soft pitch big league. And did you say P. Wall that he was like pretty close to where you live? This league was happening? Yeah, well,
1: Dick Mahoney tweeted something earlier today that he was hanging out at Bishop's Collar, which is near my house in Fairmount. Uh, And I'm really upset that I wasn't there because the last time I talked to him, he said all kinds of swear words on the record, and it was phenomenal, and I miss him every day.
0: (laughs) And And he, like, as far as just somebody to talk to, he never held back. You know, he was never a hold back type of guy. I think that's why... Uh, I liked him so much and just kind of, it's going to be, it's going to be sad, but uh, hopefully his next, the next phase of his life is, uh, keeps being entertaining and all that stuff. Uh, Matt, uh, any final thoughts as we're rolling out here, bud?
3: Yeah, I put on a wig and a hat and I give people a fake name and no one gives a shit. So (laughs) I'm kind of mad about this. Like, oh, I've been doing this for years and like people just call me that name and don't think anything of it. So, you know, where's my parade? Those sons of bitches. Uh, P-Wall, any uh, any closing thoughts here?
1: I do. I wanted to go back to the Fletcher Cox extension for a second. Um, I, if you look at the numbers that he's put up in the last uh, four years, in 2015 when he was playing as a 3-4 defensive end, he put up career numbers in almost every single statistical category and did in every sort of benchmark important category. Uh, this year he's going to be playing in a Jim Schwartz defense, at defensive tackle, in the middle of the in the middle of the line where he's going to be able to just just wreck shit. Um, if there's one player on the defense I'm excited about watching this year, I think I think he's going to get like JJ Watt level attention this year, and it's going to be fun. Unless he uh, starts doing every commercial there is, and then I'm going to hate him again.
0: <laughs> yeah, unless they like hard knocks him and
3: no, they make... put him on New Girl. Yeah. Oh God.
1: <laughs> Jesus. Put Benny Logan uh, on New Girl, I'd watch that all day.
3: Yeah. Yeah, so would I. So would I. That'd be, that'd be great. <laughs> I'd love to watch him give the side out his Zoe De Chanel. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs>
0: uh well that's gonna uh do it for us. No final thoughts other than just hold on to your hats till next week and maybe maybe even the week after that. I'm gonna keep teasing it because I want you guys to get excited as we are about uh some good news that's gonna be happening here. And in regards to where we're gonna go into this season and give you the expanded coverage and all that. But for episode number 170, I am John Barchard. For Patrick Wall, for Matt Daring, I want to thank you very much for listening to us right here on BleedingGreenNation.com and BGNRadio.com. You've been listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com,
1: fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network.
3: Folks, we have now reached our final destination of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We realize you have a choice in podcast, and we thank you for choosing ours.